Hey guys, Josh here. I just wanted to take a second and let you know about this amazing new product called MultiplayerSquad.com. It's the greatest new addition to gaming. Well, I mean, practically life. It's sure to fill you with glee, help you make new friends, and expose you to all sorts of awesome memes. It's got the best community of gamers around, and more than that, it's the best way to help support the show and let us keep providing awesome content. What? I gotta read this disclaimer for legal reasons. Warning, MultiplayerSquad.com can cause feelings of joy, happiness, companionship, ownage, and all-around sense of being awesome. If you notice yourself acting more like Josh, please discontinue use immediately and seek professional help. Hey, who put that in there? Paul! Happy Monday to all our listeners out there. You've tuned into the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. And we're so glad that you're here. We are three dads who love gaming, and we release three pods weekly. Please make sure to rate us five stars and leave a written review. You can hit us up on socials at MultiplayerPod, and you can join our free Discord community by using the link in the episode description. And then lastly, if you'd like to help fund our show, since we are funded almost entirely by our listeners, you can do so through Patreon at MultiplayerSquad.com. Support starts at five bucks a month and you'll get bonus episodes and early access. Today is a bonus round episode, which means we are going to pick a single gaming topic and then pound it into the ground for the next hour or so. (laughs) I am your host, Paul, and joining me is the man who I know appreciates good story in his video games. It's Michael. Story is absolutely super important. Uh, I actually have a story for you guys. So back in 1982, I was born, and the, I'm just kidding. I was just going to tell my whole life story, and I realized that you're not going to go back further than that, Michael. Uh, so uh, back in that's, I mean, the 80s, the music was really good, and I was born. So two great things came out of the 80s. All right, moving on. 80s, 80s music. Get out of here. All right, and then joining us, it's the man who appreciates gameplay. And also the ability to rebind every single key in his games. It's Josh. Dude, you just <laughs> adding adding one thing to my list for today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So, you know, th- this bonus round topic I think is is a really interesting one. I think in the outset, it's not going to sound like the most exciting topic. But Josh, why don't you tell the people a little bit about what we're gonna be doing in this bonus round episode? Oh. It's going to be exciting, man. All right. So what we are doing is we are going to, as a group, which you all out there listening know is difficult because we have very different opinions. So this should make for some delightful (laughs) arguments. Um, But we are going to collectively decide on what the most important game design categories are. Is that the right way to say it? (laughs) Elements? Elements? Characteristics? Uh, game elements? Characteristics? I don't know, something like that. All of those. Uh, you know. <laughs> so basically, what we're going to do is we're going to say, hey, in order of importance, what is what makes a game? Is it gameplay? Is it graphics? Is it sound? Is it the ability to rebind all of your keys, which I've recently <laughs> added to the top of my list? Um, yep. You know, and, and, and that sort of thing. So what we're going to do is we're going to just kind of talk about different things. If I think character customization is one of the most important things, I'll throw it out there. YouTube will shoot me down. I'll whine and cry about it. And then we'll figure out, you know, where it goes. But so what we're going to do is from order of most important to least important, as long as time allows, we're basically going to fight each other 
until we are forcefully made to agree with each other. Does that sound about right? I that think so. sounds perfect. Yeah. And uh, this is a stupid question, but Michael, are, are you excited to record this episode? <laughs> you know that this this show, I proposed a name change uh, for the show, by the way. I, I got shot down quick because apparently it has too many syllables and won't fit. But mm-hmm. I propose the show should it's, be called... This is the multi-player podcast. <laughs> Multi-noon. No, that's not right. Um, no, I propose that it would be called Michael Butler's Favorite Thing to Do Ever in the History of Ever, Ever, Ever podcast. But they said there's too many syllables, and so no. But yes, this is my favorite thing to do. I'm so excited. And that name is taken. It is actually what's weird. I, I don't know who took that one, but there's like 358,000 Michael Butlers in the United States, so probably one of those guys. It is impossible to understate how excited Michael is to record every single time we start recording. It's it's awesome. I do. You're so much fun to work with, Michael. I get <laughs> really excited. I will. The other thing that Michael gets excited about is winning a round of Overwatch. Oh. I can tell that he's not used to that. <laughs> it's never happened Cause, before. Because we just played a couple rounds of Overwatch 2, and we won both of them. And Michael was so giddy that the victory <laughs> popped up on the screen. And I was like, is this your first time, man? I was, like, I was like, we didn't just win one. We won two. <laughs> Michael's sounding out the letters to victory. He doesn't know what <laughs> yeah. it says. I've never, yeah, I've never spelled it. I've, I've had to spell it before. I got to Vic and I got lazy and got tired. I was like, what's that say, Josh? He's like, we won. I'm like, ah, what? no. <laughs> oh, how funny. All right. So before we jump into this, Josh, I think you've got a review or two to I read. got two and two they're reviews. good ones. Two nice. reviews. I know. So we're going to get to cracking because I know we want to get started on this episode. So this first one is from at a, I don't know how to say this. So it's AJ J A D T R 2002 at Jetter at Jetter 2002. That's, that's as good as it's going to get boys. Uh, and it is titled phenomenal podcast. I went through two other gaming podcasts that really didn't work for me. As soon as I started listening to the multiplayer podcast, I instantly loved it. All three hosts do a tremendously fantastic job of keeping the audience engaged. It's funny, well-paced, and all around a well-put-together gaming podcast, a must-listen. Oh, thank Ooh. you, AJ. I like That's that how one. I'm going to choose to pronounce the name. Yeah, AJ. Yeah. <laughs> also, great, great title. And the reason why it's well-paced is because Paul keeps Josh and I <laughs> in line really us. well. That is not an easy <laughs> task either. So. No. All right. I'm also then, to blame for the incredibly long length of episodes that have been coming lately that, because I, mean, I don't do a very good job at reining everybody in. I, the listeners don't mind that. so It's free. <laughs> All right. And then this next one is titled, This Podcast is Epic, and it comes in from Wellesyland from Great Britain. Ooh. And it says, this is the podcast I listen to when I sleep, and it really helps. And waffles <laughs> are peak. I love Josh and how cool and interactive the hosts are in the Discord. Thank you. Now, I know people out there would say, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hold on. So, so these guys put you to sleep is what you're saying. But he mentioned my name in the review. So, of course, I had to pick this one. And it was a five-star <laughs> review. And it's titled, This Podcast is Epic. So, you know what, guys? Sleep is very important. Dude, just as, doing long as, as long as the download numbers count, you know? <laughs> right. we don't care. You can <laughs> be asleep. If you want to listen to this when you're under anesthesia getting surgery... We're 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 more than cool with that as well. Do the best surgery ever. 
It would be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, how nice. We love getting the reviews. Make sure to keep those coming. And, you know, we've said before, if you've already left us a review, make a second Apple account. Go leave another one through Apple Podcasts. Borrow your friend's phone, whatever you need to do. Go get the word out. We would really appreciate it. All right. So let's jump into the bonus round content here today. I'm not entirely sure where we should start. I'm thinking maybe we just throw the gauntlet to Michael and let him pick something that he thinks is an important element of gaming. And then I guess from there, we can just either agree or disagree. We can talk about it and just take things from there. Does that work for you guys? Disagree. I'm sorry. I'm, a, I'm ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally whatever I say, Josh is going to disagree. And I try to do the same thing to him. Um, so are we starting at like any, any, yeah, is there any pick, like, to, like top down or what's the most important thing to me? Or yeah, what do you yes. think is most important? And then we can disagree. Man, we can start most important and then we'll kind of try to whittle it down and we'll see how much time we have. Maybe it'll be like a top six, maybe a top eight, maybe top 10. Who knows? We'll just keep going until we're bored or run out of time. Oh, man. Um, it's actually really hard. I, I think, though, because there, there's so many different ways. There's so many different kinds of games that I play. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to say that that one of the things I definitely want to throw out, first of all, if you're going in order of importance, is I love games like Overwatch, and I love Deep Rock Galactic and things like that that absolutely do not have this element at all. Um because they're you know short little matches and stuff, but the best games I ever play gotta have a good story. They gotta have a good story. <laughs> story. I mean, I got it on the intro, but it's true. I love a good story, a great story. So I gotta start with story. I'm throwing it out there. It's it's just the mo- one of the most important things. Uh, I love to feel things when I'm playing games. I mean, I felt something earlier in a game that didn't have a story. I felt. Uh, a little spike of dopamine when I won a match at Overwatch for the first time <laughs> ever a few minutes ago. Um, and that was really exciting. And there's not really a story there that kind of is, but story is really important. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's a top three thing for sure in most of the games that I play. The caveat there being most. What you think, Josh? Disagree. <laughs> I knew he disagreed too. I, I, I will say this. I mean, story is obviously something that makes a game stick with you. Um, I, I will say that while I think story is going to rank very high, I do not think that it is the number one most important thing in a video game. I can think of a lot of games like you just mentioned Overwatch that has very little story, but is just an absolute blast to play. You both know I absolutely love Rocket League. I play Truth. it every single freaking day. It has zero story involved. You know, now there are games like honestly that that are insanely memorable, Witcher 3, right? Dragon Age, Mass Effect that have amazing stories to them. And they're memorable, but I don't think it's the number one thing. So, I mean, I would counter Michael's point that I think the gameplay is the number one most important thing in a video game. Because if it doesn't have good gameplay, the story can be great, but it's going to be boring. (laughs) If it doesn't have gameplay, can it still be a game? Don't they call those interactive movies at that point? It's essentially a movie, right? You can have a game without story. I don't know that you can have a game without gameplay. So I am inclined to agree with you, Josh, but I do think that these are absolutely two must-haves. I think they're both going 
to make it in. And I think maybe we would give a little bit of a weightier tip to gameplay. Disagree but- completely. <laughs> I mean, no, no. I'll, I'll, I mean, I... I don't actually hey, disagree completely, but Michael, you toughen up, man. You stay right. on the ground, buddy. <laughs> well, well but what about here? Michael and I, I would say we definitely value story based games in general more than non story based. Like if you came to me and said, Paul, for the rest of your life, you can play amazing story rich RPGs or you can play like multiplayer matches like Call of Duty and Overwatch. And for me, that would be an easy pick. And I would stick with the storyline games because that those are the ones that draw me in the most. Uh, but I mean, oh, gameplay okay, so, with games so, they go together. <laughs> let's let's use a couple examples for this, right? So we've one. all played we've all played Firewatch. Michael, recently you played Firewatch after we talked about it, right? Absolutely, yep. Firewatch is an amazing story. Very little gameplay elements, and this is no, not to slander Firewatch at all because I think Firewatch oh, is amazing. You're just—I right? see what you're doing here. You're throwing it at Paul, aren't you? Because he hated it. No, Paul liked. Paul thought Firewatch was okay. He just thought yeah. it was overhyped. Oh, okay. He didn't. He didn't understand like why people loved Firewatch so much. Yeah, it was you know, fine. But Firewatch is a perfect example of a game with a great story with minimal gameplay elements. What remains of Edith Finch? I don't know if you guys have ever played one of those. Uh, the Telltale games. Right, yep. you, like very little gameplay elements. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal story to those uh, games. Detroit Become Human, same thing. I never played that one. Very uh, little, heavy very rain, little yeah, heavy rain. Right, so <laughs> yeah. like th- this is to show that yes, a great story can absolutely carry a video game, right? But let's go back to a couple recent deep dives. I'm going to lose you guys on this one just a smidge, but you'll understand the 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 difference here, right? You guys know that I absolutely love God of War. And I, I honestly, I love Red Dead Redemption too, right? We just did a deep dive on both of those. We ranked Red Dead a little bit higher, but I think that's the classic example of story, right? Whereas gameplay, because I feel like God of War has much better gameplay elements than Red Dead does. They're both games that are honestly all around great. But for me, gameplay trumps story every time. You know, because if you have a game that's just story, while it may be memorable, it's not as fun. Like, God of War is infinitely more fun than Firewatch in that regard. Rocket League is infinitely more fun because of the replayability of gameplay. I think I think you hit on something good, actually, with that point. Because if you think about it, let's look at it from this perspective. If you have a game that is all story... And even if it has limited gameplay, but the gameplay doesn't work well, like the controls are tough and it sucks, I'm going to be frustrated. Whereas a game without a story at all, um, you know, Rocket League, for instance, which, by the way, I mean, I, I've also never won a match of Rocket League, but I'll oh, play with me. So, um, are you just going to carry me? I will. I like it. your beard will carry Absolutely. the other part of me. It'll so. carry. Yeah. But that, that, but that, like, the, when it comes down to it, like a game can have no story, and I can still have fun with it. But even a game, any video game has to have some element of gameplay, correct? Yeah, like I you have so. to otherwise, it's, otherwise a it's a movie, yeah, right. or it's a cartoon. <laughs> um, but and so, like, even for instance, like Firewatch, yeah, like the gameplay was very limited, but it worked. It wasn't like frustrating. I walked around. I pushed the F button when I wanted to talk to something. It worked, I guess, kind of, but. I, so I, I kind of say that you kind of might actually have a tiny bit of an edge. I would prefer to have a game that has a great story. That's true. But you can't have a game without good gameplay. Let's Otherwise, look, I mean, Elden Ring? 
Yeah. I mean, I know there there is some kind of weird convoluted story to Elden Ring. Does anybody really care about the story in Elden Ring? Because no, because the gameplay is so incredible that it carries everything else. Now, see, I had to know about the story in Elden Ring. That's why I watched like three hours worth of YouTube videos about an hour into the game because I'm like, what am I What am I doing here? Like, what is the point? Why is everything trying to kill me? Isn't there a town where I can just buy like some shoes or like a gherkin or something? I don't know what a gherkin is, but I wanted to buy one. It's a small it's a kind pickle. of pickle. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a small it's a, sword. It's a pickle. It's not a sword. Gherkin is a gherkins. sword. No, there's <laughs> a gherkin see sword. Michael being like, go, go Beware Google search. my gherkin. <laughs> it's like, dude, are you going to hit me with that Hold little on. pickle? <laughs> hey, you can whittle it down to a fine point. I can't <laughs> throw, I throw it at you, but I can't throw the it at you without might, good uh, gameplay. Oh, might sting your eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for most video games, I, it, it most of them have bad story. Right? Can we agree with that? Like, how it's often rare to have an are you wow? Story, yes. it's rare. And so, when yeah. you happen to hit a really compelling story, I think that's really special. And if you can nail both, that's incredibly important. But you can have a game that has fantastic gameplay and a terrible story, and most people are still going to play it because they come to video games for gameplay, not so much the story. And I and I think Michael and I are probably bigger movie buffs. Than you, Josh. I mean, I love TV and movies just as much, if not more, than gaming. But if I'm really going for a top-notch story, there's only a very small handful of video games that I think are at that level of quality. You do have your Red Dead Redemption 2s and your Mass Effects and your Witcher 3s, but you it's very forgivable to play a game with good gameplay and a bad story. And then also, I think gameplay is just so open-ended like you yeah. can have all these sports games and replayability. you don't need a story it's yeah. replay like how often are you going to go back and play firewatch again i'll never right? play it again. right I'll, exactly I'll because i mean the story is amazing right yeah. or um now i haven't played this but another great example is disco elysium right i hear the story in that game is absolutely phenomenal minimal gameplay elements to it you know it's basically a book right exactly yeah. and so it's like while that may be amazing for what it is are you gonna ever go back and play disco elysium again for just based off of the story like i know that there's a lot of different choices you can make in something like that but i don't think you're as likely to play a game that is only story based repeatedly like you would a game that has phenomenal gameplay that you just keep going back to over and over again a few notable exceptions being games that actually have you make choices, i.e. Weird right. West, which we just did that review of, Detroit Become Human, which is notably known for like everything you do in that game. There's literally thousands of combinations of how that story can end. And I think that's a game that is story-driven that you can come back to, which I'm drawn to very heavily. But you kind of make a good point. I, I, I would put them almost equally important to how I choose to pick a video game. Mm-hmm. However... That doesn't necessarily mean it's the most important thing in gaming. So I, I think, Josh, you, you've kind of won the argument with me that gameplay is a little more important than story. Um, but when I'm picking a game, me, as Michael Butler, I look for games that have a good story. And if they can make me cry, maybe with a little glass of Cabernet Sauvignon or something, then I'm <laughs> really, really going to get into that game. Get the wine tears flowing. Get the wine tears, man. Let's just force it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think no matter how good the story is, you can only play uh, that kind of game so many times, whereas your sports games in particular have an infinite cap 
for how much you can play it. So yeah, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll lock in gameplay number one for now story at number two. But as we bring in more elements, we're going to keep revising this list until we are done. Oh, so for I now, now they're like one that. and two. Yeah. I like how you're doing that. We're just kind of like our leaderboard. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. I think that means Paul's next, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's just knock out what I think are like the most obvious. I think gameplay and story are the first two most are going to think of. And probably the next one people are going to think of is graphics. Now I would say graphics absolutely come in below gameplay and story. You can play a great game that looks like hot garbage if it's fun <laughs> enough. I don't care how good that game looks. I'm not playing it if it has bad gameplay and bad story. It's very true. I, you guys know that I love good graphics. I, I've always said, hey, I'm not a graphics snob. Guys, let's be honest. I'm a little bit of a graphics snob. I <laughs> You are a little bit. I've, I have noticed this over I've the years. You're not realize one. this about yeah. myself and that it used to be I used to go look good graphics aren't everything, guys. You know, look at Tetris, right? Like graphics suck in that game. But hey, we all grow and we learn little things about ourselves. In in my old age, I've realized like I really enjoy good graphics. They can help make a game for me. You know, I, I I don't think Josh, I don't think you would ever buy Loop Hero. Ever. I, because of I tried, I got Loop Hero for free. I think it was either Epic Game Store or Amazon Games or something like that. I got it for free. I booted it up. The idea was neat. I like roguelite type games. And the graphics were so abysmal that I literally could not play that game. And so, yes, I am a little bit of a graphics snob. Stardew Valley. Right? Like, I, I know uh, there's a lot of people out there that are gasping right now, but I think the graphics in Stardew Valley suck. I think oh, they they're actually so charming. De- I think they detract <laughs> from the game. Charming's like that nice way. Like, when somebody's really weird, you're like, oh, they're kind of oh, unique. So- like, just call them weird, man. You know, <laughs> that's like special. The graphics charming, are special. Charming right. graphics mean those graphics aren't good. <laughs> I think it also comes into play, like, especially when you look at things like in the age of a game. So, for instance, Perhaps one of my top, well, actually, I know because we did a list of, a list about this a long time ago. I, I think my top three games of all time included the game uh, Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. I can't play that game today. It doesn't matter how much I mod it. The meshes look so weird that I'm waiting for Sky Oblivion to come out, which is that mod in the Skyrim engine, which brings Oblivion in. And it's done by like 300 and some odd modders who are all working for free, which God bless you people for making me play oblivion again at some point but like i i can't play that game again so it's not even like the importance of good graphics it's the importance of not having bad graphics that really takes me out of it now there are certain caveats to that games that are not graphics driven um i'm playing my summer car we talked about that just a couple of episodes or last episode actually i went into that knowing the graphics are not really important and not good, but it's like, well, but the graphics that are important are good. The the engine looks fine. The car looks fine, but the trees are literally EverQuest trees. You know what I'm talking about, Josh. The game has EverQuest trees. It's four. It's an X. (laughs) I was going to say it's It's two. Yep. It's that's (laughs) it. Too plain. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm fine with that, but games that are supposed to have good graphics, for instance, Oblivion back in the day had the best graphics. It was really incredible at the time. Now you look back and you're like, yuck. Ouch. Can't do it. Yeah, I I have a question for you guys. When talking about graphics, do you care more about frame rate or resolution? Or is there like a fine mix of both? I mean... That was fast, Michael. You're all all about that resolution. Now, is this meaning that I'm playing at at least 
30 frames a second, 60 yeah. frames a second, because <laughs> once you get under 30, 30, dude, it's unplayable at that point. <laughs> well, so my thing is that is that I will turn my TV backwards when I'm watching a movie. I will go to that native <laughs> 32 frames. you watch the frames. back of your TV? No. <laughs> no. No, I don't. Oh, you legit. I just, that was a loud, boisterous laugh did, just now because you caught me off guard completely. Uh, <laughs> I will watch the back of my like, TV I when I watch the movie. the back of the TV. That's I where the guess. magic happens. Yeah. <laughs> I will guess what these people look like while I look at the serial number HS4078171, whatever it is in the back of my TV. No, but what I'll do oftentimes is a lot of people, you know, they buy these really nice TVs and they want to do like the super smooth rate, the super smooth motion stuff. I think it looks cheesy and I hate it. I put everything, even TV shows, down to the film, which is 32 frames a second is what film is done at because I feel like it's that nostalgia piece. It looks good. And that's how I want it to be. It's still got to look crisp and clear, but 32 frames a second is fine for me. In a game, it's kind of the same way. Now, there is a painful part where you can't play the game because like you're lagging or you can't get at least 30, but I want it to look incredible. So I literally, in every single game ever, will pick... Um, when it's got that scale, you know, the performance versus quality, I am all quality 100% of the time. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you, man. I'm the same way. Like, as long as it's playable, I want everything maxed out. Even if I have to sacrifice some frame rate for that, I give me the resolution. Give me those eye-bleeding graphics, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I'm with you. I mean, graphics really are important. Now, I mean, there are. That's not to say that there aren't some great games out there that have lower quality graphics, and they're still plenty enjoyable. But again, I'll reference God of War because the graphics in God of War were amazing. Red Dead Redemption Two, amazing graphics. I, I like Elden Ring. Everybody, ta- I'm, I'm using these because they're recent games that everybody's familiar with, you know. But it's like Dark Souls games have always been garbage graphics and then they finally came out with elden ring and it's like dude this game's beautiful Mm. now maybe the individual character textures and stuff aren't super high resolution but the world is beautiful like they did a great job with you know the the vistas and stuff like that that you see so i I do think graphics are pretty important in a game so yeah what do you what what about you paul i definitely agree that they're important it kind of depends on the game. If it's more action-oriented and movement-based, I might choose higher frame rate over higher resolution. But if it's like a slower-paced RPG, then I'll boost that resolution to the max. Kind of just depends on what kind of gameplay. Yeah. I will also say that I am far less concerned about things like ray tracing. Like Famously, when Todd was still on the podcast, he bought his 2070? Or maybe yeah, it was a 2080 20s. graphics card. Yeah. And there were no games that had ray tracing. And Todd would like go out of his way to play games with ray tracing because he had the capability. And I remember playing the first games with ray tracing, like Control and things like that. And I would stop and be like, oh, that is really cool, seeing that reflection. And and four seconds later, I move on, and I don't really think about it again. So even like those, those new state-of-the-art things, I think are neat. I think it adds to the atmosphere, but it's not... Not essential at all. Have you guys ever seen the benchmark tests or the screenshots where it's like, hey, this is this game on medium quality, and then it's like, this is this game on ultra settings? Yeah. And, and, and it's it like, looks like they turn down medium quality a whole bunch and make it super low quality and cheap. No, actually, I'm thinking the opposite, <laughs> where it's like, I can't really tell the difference. Like, oh, both yeah. of them look good to me. I'm not saying that there's not, but it's like, if you have to look to spot what ambient occlusion does, 
when you toggle <laughs> it on and off. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, is yeah. that really worth the five frames a second hit that you're going to take on that? Because it's like, I can't really tell. The di- I know, I know I want it. <laughs> like I'm leaving that bad boy on, but I can't tell the difference. I don't know. The first thing that I ever do when I mod a game, it's always numero uno, number one on the list is update those you know the graphics the, the textures texture, the textures, textures all yeah. of it textures uh, are... which by the way i do have to i gotta break the fourth wall real fast and talk to you real fast listener i apologize to you i messed up about a minute and 37 seconds ago when i said films were shot at 32 frames per second 24. i knew 24. it was 24 yeah. i didn't I want to knew. say anything because i was I like knew it was 24 wrong. no you well, got to correct roll, me Michael. You got. I know you got to correct me though, because I know it's twenty four. I'm a film guy, uh, and I totally messed up, and I apologize that I misspoke about that. Continuing on with the show, you're fired, Michael. Get out. Yeah, get out. I gotta go, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, I remember when like the Hobbit movies came out at forty eight frames per second, and, and it was got so nauseous. weird because of like the soap opera effect. I think now people are a little more used to it. Like, I, I it, it's a weird thing because you get so used to the lower frame rate, but like, um objectively you know the higher frame rate is better and so our kids are gonna grow up you know being used to that and they're gonna appreciate the higher frame rates but it's rough for us yeah yeah so all right so we got our first three here gameplay story and graphics respectively uh michael i think we're back to you what, what what's something else you want to throw out here we are and i wonder because there's something that's really important to me but it's a really small thing and you guys are gonna throw it away for a second so let me see not gonna say it anyways and i don't know how to say this so i'm gonna say it in like <laughs> sentence form sure. um you know that thing on the screen where it's there and sometimes you can yeah. move it <laughs> yeah so there so it's this rectangular thing that sits in front of you right and you look at it and colors display on it what's it called it starts with ammo that's your monitor right that's important um sorry that was a bad joke that didn't go anywhere that felt real flat we need we need yeah. a, a snare drum Sound yeah, effect. two symbols and a yeah. snare drum go rolling down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Um, so it's the. This is going to sound so stupid, but the ease of understanding versus the effectiveness of an abilities or skills tree. If okay, that kind of makes no, I think sense. That's valid. Okay, yeah. like like I've seen skill trees in games before. Where I'm like. I know I can do things with this. I don't know what I'm doing. And there's important stuff in here, but I can't figure it out. You know, uh, a good game that did it well was probably Weird West. We played that really recently, and I liked how it's like, okay, this is pretty easy. I've got the abilities. They change, but I still can figure it out easily. I've got three points I can put in each thing. Good to go. But then you look at, like, World of Warcraft circa, like, 2007, and you're like, oh, man, I got to, like, get, like, a, <laughs> an Excel spreadsheet out and try to figure mm-hmm. out what's going to be the best DPS for this part and that part. And they simplify it to make it very Diablo-esque. And I was like... I know it's less customizable, but thank you for doing that. <laughs> um, does that kind of make sense? So do we, would we call that learning curve? Would that be the easiest I, way? Yeah, to... you know that could be learning curve. And but I, Michael I do, is talking yeah. specifically about a skill tree. See, because disagree. <laughs> we can umbrella it though and say learning curve because it also I, could be in the learning curve. But this is why I ask because I actually am the guy that I love like the really big convoluted skill tree because I like theory crafting. Right. Like that's why I like customizable card games. Right. Is it's like, ooh, Outriders had a decent one because you could branch a few times and you never had enough skill points to put everywhere. Right. So you had to make those choices. I really appreciate the theory crafting part of a very, a big complex skill tree because ultimately it's like, man, I have to decide how I want to play this game. So I 
like Weird West again disagree because that wasn't that, that was just like abilities and yes it would it would affect your character but they were so simplified that I felt like it didn't matter. Well, that's why yeah. I bring in the effectiveness part. Like that worked in that game. Like for instance, when you're playing the melee style, or in Paul's words, melee. Right? Is that how he says mm-hmm. it? Melee? That's so weird. Melee. Um, the multiplayer like game podcast. That's not how I say it, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the melee build of the Pigman, um, <laughs> but like the Pigman had more me- melee. Bay. Now I'm saying it. No, it's bay. Gotta it's bay, gonna bay. be. Bay. Sorry, I can't. Um, so, go. but the the melee build had the Pigman. You know, of the Pigman, like those things fit with it, and that's why I'm saying like the ease of understanding versus the effectiveness. I'm not talking about. Is it something that I can go into and craft my own thing customizably? Is it worth doing that? So if it's hard to understand, then it needs to be very robust and very, like what you're saying, it has to actually make a difference if I'm theory crafting. Now, in the game Weird West, it was very simple, but it was effective in that game because it's like, okay, I'm using these stomp abilities where I'm knocking people back because I'm a melee fighter. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm at. So it really could be under learning curve. I'm going to go ahead and say that we can put it under learning curve because it's all about like, is it worth the time to figure this out? I will I will say if, if we want to name it learning curve, I can definitely get on board with that because there have been some games that have an absolutely like insanely difficult learning curve and it can absolutely ruin a video game. You know, a game where you can just pick it up and it makes sense right away. Like, again, I hate to always go back to this well, but I remember the first time I ever played Rocket League, you pull the trigger, your car goes, you push a button, it jumps. Like, the learning curve is is insanely yeah. simple, right? My f- Like, a four-year-old could play that game. Now, there's an insane level of mastery involved there, but anybody can literally pick that game up and do the basics of that game. I, I mean, Paul and I famously struggled with Terraria, Right, because yeah. like it's a kid, it's a kid's game, man. <laughs> but they don't teach you, and, and they didn't teach you a thing. And we were going like, why? Why does everybody like this game? Like Kerbal Space Program. Like a lot of people love that game. I couldn't play it because it crashed every single time. But I've heard that has a like a a steep learning curve. Michael, we're seeing this with Elite Dangerous. I would say and we're I'm about not, to dig into I'm that. Not yeah. gonna, I'm not going to spoil anything for that episode, but let's be honest, the learning curve for Elite Dangerous is pretty intense. It's ridiculous. You know, and so I feel like learning curve could very much drastically affect somebody's enjoyment of a game. Yeah, and that's why I say learning curve as like, is it worth it? That's right. my whole thing. If a, if a game is hard to understand, but it's incredible... It's worth it to me. And you know what I mean? That's the whole, that's kind of where I was going with the the ease of understanding versus the effectiveness. I guess you could put that under learning curve because it's like, is it worth it to try and figure this out? I hate nothing more than opening a skill tree and seeing things like, after you kill an enemy with a critical hit, then your next dot ability will have its duration increased by 4%. And I just see that and I, eyes glaze over. I, I, I don't care. I won't even spend points in my skill tree if that's the kind of stuff I see. You know what I like to see? Improve your crit rate by 1%. Yeah. Great. Improve your HP by 30. Done. I, I love that kind of simplicity, but it still gives you the ability to play and mess around with it. Uh, and then if we extend learning curve all the way into gameplay, I'm going to go as far as to say, I think learning curve is more important than graphics. I can deal with bad graphics. I do not have the time or the patience to deal with an incredibly steep learning curve. 
But I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. What, what, what do you guys think is more important, graphics or learning curve? No, I think you make a really good point there because, I, I, like we just said a few minutes ago, there are certain games that have terrible graphics that I still am going to have fun with. There are games that are designed to have bad graphics. What is it? What is that? Oh, no. What's it called? The Transal... Oh, the the games where it's... Metroid Metroidvania, right? Well, that, that's that, a genre, yeah. Right, but those games don't have good graphics. Like, it's typically... Mm-hmm. Or platformers and stuff. Like, I still have a blast with that. Graphics are not important. But Learning Curve? Super, super, super important. But like I said, I'm okay with a hard learning curve as long as it's worth it. And in your case, Paul, I totally agree because nothing takes me out of it more than that every time you kill a zombie with your machete whilst hitting them somewhere between the third and fourth thoracic vertebrae, you get four extra crit points for the next three hits. I literally find myself playing the game trying to hit the zombies in between the third and fourth thoracic thoracic vertebrae and getting those four extra hits, and then it it changes the game for me because I'm trying to only tunnel vision that skill. Yeah. I as goofy as this is going to sound because I don't think a lot of people out there would even identify learning curve when it comes to a game but I'm going to agree man uh, because sweet I I will absolutely not play a game if it feels like work to me you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. like let's be honest like uh, it, you know it, like we're we're playing elite dangerous and Michael's very aware that there's a steep learning curve now we have somebody that can kind of teach us that but if a game requires so much effort to learn and play that it makes it not fun, I'm not going to continue to play that game right at that point. So it's just one of those things where it's like, I think that's one of those things that people don't think about. But man, if it goes wrong, it'll absolutely ruin a game, hands down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally I agree. agree. All right. So we'll put learning curve right above graphics. Last uh, comment Josh. on learning curve. Oh, yeah. Go for Last it. Last comment on learning curve. It's the exact same thing, right? I stopped playing Elite Dangerous for what, about nine months? And I played it, I have 900 hours in this game. And when I stepped away from that game, for nine months I came back, and Josh was like, hey, can, can you give us a tutorial on how to play this? And I'm like, I'm going to bring in my buddy Jason who has 4,000 hours, because I can't remember, because there's so much. And I left the game for nine months, and I can't remember how to play it. That's tough. Now, granted, yeah. for me it's worth it, but that's my last comment on that. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally hear you. All right, Josh, what's the next element you want to toss out here? I'm going to say sound. Okay. Audi- audio design, <laughs> you know, because All right. let's be honest, games are about immersion. You know, we like to, we want the gameplay, right? We want, we want good graphics. We want a great story and stuff like that. But if you guys have ever played a game where the sound's just garbage in design versus a game that has absolutely top notch audio quality, it makes a world of difference, right? Voice acting is becoming a big, big thing in gaming now, right? And it's like, if there's not voice acting, and you have to read everything, people, it just doesn't hit the same. And so, you know, when um, the Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, has some of the best sound design in a video game, I think I've heard, with the 3D sound, and it absolutely helped to make that game. That game with poor sound design would not be anything near what it what I think it is. You know, and so like Overwatch 2, I don't want to spoil anything, but they've completely redone the sound design in Overwatch 2 to where all of the weapons feel so meaty. They're just punchy <laughs> and meaty and they feel good. You know, Doom Eternal, another game with phenomenal sound design. You feel like you're really shooting a heavy gun. And I get it. It's kind of like, well, yeah, that's down my list. But in, in a game with immersion... I think that audio design makes a world of difference in a game like 
Dragon Age or Mass Effect to have those characters have their personalities come through in the sound design makes a big difference. So I'm going to say good audio quality slash sound design. (laughs) So I I have a quick question for both of you, and I, I know the answer to one of these. Josh, did you or did you not spend decent money buying a sound card for your pc i did absolutely i spent about, way i spent too much money uh, buying that sound I, card. I would argue you spent way too much on yes. that sound card michael what about you do you do you use onboard sound or did you buy a super fancy schmancy sound card i don't think i bought a sound card since they were relevant in 1998 <laughs> oh they're still relevant you don't know what you're missing <laughs> really people people have gotten just used to mediocrity when it comes well, to sound. I've got, I mean, I don't know. I've got <laughs> like the 7.1 surround on my headphones and all that stuff. Telling I can you. say though that sound design transcends even video games because like film and video games are very similar in so many ways. Sound design is so important. It's so important. Like for instance, there, there's nothing that can, that can change the way that like uh, the sound of like, when somebody slaps someone in a 1960s TV show versus a 2022 TV show, the sound is so wildly different because they're like not just like slapping paper or whatever they're slapping. It sounds terrible. A pow sound. Um, but it's kind of funny because a brief anecdote, and I didn't think about this till before, but I was actually on a plane recently and I was flying. And I have my AirPods in and I'm watching on my iPad um, a TV show. And I turned my head to the left, and apparently Apple did an update that blew my mind. And so I'm going to kind of score you pretty high on this one, Josh, because this blew my mind. I looked to the right, and I was like, oh, my AirPods must not be on because I'm hearing it come out of my come into my left ear. Like I, It sounded like it was coming from my tablet. And so I'm like, hold on. Let me turn my head to the left. And I'm like, it's coming out of my tablet, but it's not. It's in my AirPods. And I was like, this blew my mind because it had directional sound in the AirPods. Now these things are, that's insane. And so, yeah, sound is very important to me. Um, now, Paul is yeah. smirking, which to me is like, Paul's oh, he shaking this. his head now. He's just giving, all right, I, I, let me let me make a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've all played wait, Ocarina. Wait me over. Prove me we've wrong. We've all played Ocarina of Time, right? Nope. Paul! Well, I mean, we, oh, you you know goodness. this. We talked about it on okay, the show. Wind Waker. You said Wind yes. Waker is <laughs> yes. your favorite, right? Okay. Yes. The sound. If Wind Waker had crappy sound, would it still be the same game to you? Uh, it would be ninety eight percent the same to me. I Here's don't the think thing. So I. I grew up with an audiophile dad, okay? I spent many a day traveling all the way across town to test sound equipment, test different preamps, uh, testing tube amps versus, you know, non-tube amps. I, I, I can appreciate good sound, and I love good quality music. I will say I care a lot about music. I do not so much care about sound effects, all if right, that makes let me, sense. Let me counter like, that. Like, when, we, when you first talked about Hellblade on the pod... I don't know, a year and three months ago, you kept bringing up sound and I just started laughing and I'm like, Josh, all you say is it has good sound. <laughs> I'm not going to play a game because it has good sound. I need like these other elements. I can deal with terrible sound. I I honestly couldn't even really care less. If it's good, I, I, will, I will sometimes appreciate it. Like you were talking about the updates of sound in Overwatch 2 and you get things like in, uh, Call of Duty. If you fire a gun when you're underneath like rocks, you hear the echo. Or if you're out in the open, there is no echo. That's cool. 
I don't really care if it's there or not. I'll appreciate it if it's there, but I don't think it's central. For me, sound would would absolutely go below gameplay, story, learning curve, and graphics. I'll appreciate it when it's there, but I don't think it's really necessary. What sound did the enemies in Metal Gear Solid make when they saw you? (laughs) Yeah. Do you know the Mario theme song? (laughs) Yeah, of course. What sound does Mario make when he jumps? Uh, Yeah. So tell me sound design doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. It matters a little. I would not say it matters a lot. I disagree. I think think there's so many video games that where the sound is what you remember. I can still remember the Ocarina of Song the ocarina of time songs <laughs> i mean we all know what mario sounds like uh-huh. you know I, i'm not saying it's the pinnacle but i think it ranks up there as far as importance in a game see i i, I would say voice acting is important and the music writing is important the sound effects and the sound quality itself i just don't care about as much the, none of those nintendo games had good sound like you're kind of lauding like mario i'm not I mean, talking like high bit. fidelity i'm talking yeah. the audio of a game I, i'm not saying that it has to have like hi-fi sound but yeah. audio design in a video game matters whether it's eh. a catchy tune catchy sound effects <laughs> uh good gun sounds in a first person shooter I, I think those things make it very memorable like if it doesn't fit and it's not relevant and you're playing skyrim and they have midi files for the music is it going to work for you right no absolutely not well this also might be a difference between us when we play overwatch i have all of the music down to zero and i have like the only thing i want to hear are the audio cues that someone's ulting i don't want to hear anything else when i play games unless it has really good music i tend to turn a lot of that stuff down because i tend to multitask a lot of the games i play i don't even have the sound on at all because (gasps) i've got a movie going on on my second monitor and i want to hear that while i'm playing a game silently like rocket league who cares you can play it silent or with the sound on it doesn't make a single difference paul i can't do that with overwatch because i can't read the word victory and so i have to know that i won by the sound in the game we talked about (laughs) this earlier fair enough so where do you guys want to put sound in regards to gameplay story learning curve graphics my my vote would be last i think it's at the bottom i'm just saying of those importance but i I do think that it is important to a quality game yeah it's more important than a lot of things we're probably not going to cover or bring up on the show or even some things on my short list here but i think of those things it's in the right spot at the bottom right okay I so think we'll, I, we'll, let me, I'll say this before we move on. I think sound can immensely enhance a game, but I don't think it can tank a game. Does that make <laughs> okay. sense? Like if That's you have fair. really, yeah. really sound- good sound design, I think it's going to heighten that game uh, like uh, hugely. You know, in that regard, it, it, whether it's voice acting, Arthur Morgan's voice, you know, whatever, right? Like if it's if it's really good, I think it's going to massively stand out. If it's really Meh. I don't think it's going to ruin a game, but I think it's going to hinder it a lot. The <laughs> fact that we now have A-list actors doing video games. Right. Like, as of the first time I can really remember that, and I know there are examples before this, and I know I'm talking about Oblivion all the time. And that's my watershed game, guys. Whatever that Captain word means. Picard. <laughs> yeah. Dude, dude, you got, you know, Patrick Stewart and Sean Bean doing the two, like, main characters that speak in the game. And it's like, oh my goodness. Like, the second you hear that iconic voice, you're like, that's Patrick Stewart. And I didn't know that because before that, really, I hadn't played a video game where anybody whoever did a movie would ever consider doing the voices for a video game and i'm like oh that 
that's really legit. I'm brought into this, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's very cool that we get that kind of talent now in, in these games. All, All right. right. Is so, it you, Paul? It, it, it's to me. All right. Now, I'm not necessarily saying this is the next most important, but we're just kind of nominating here. things. Y- you know where I'm going here? I, n- I know what you're picking here. I doubt it. Maybe. I- I'm I'm going with controls. Mm. I don't know what you're picking here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about controls in games because I would argue really bad controls can tank a game. Yeah, I mean, if they're convoluted, like now that I hear this lends the question then, because are what if you can rebind the controls? Is that a separate topic or is it <laughs> because I mean, you know, yeah, some games, if I'm forced to use right bumper button to jump, that feels really weird to me. And it's that like, dude, suck. what were you thinking? Like, <laughs> like, who put this there? You know, but if I can rebind it, well, then it's like, ah, I can kind of fix that problem. So I'm going to assume you mean like these are just you're forced to play it this way. I mean, controls in general, but also like your character doing what you're telling oh. it to do. That's oh, part yeah. of from controls. Tarkov. Escape from Tarkov. Thank you. That is the number one thing I yes. was going to bring up. If you give me a game that has 426 keys where I need three keyboards just to have <laughs> enough keys to control. <laughs> you've you've done something wrong you've gone off kilter at that point when i have to push alt shift d to do one action it's like dude that is not no that's not going to happen that's a terrible control scheme ultimately the reason why i have literally never finished a grand theft auto game is because the cars are really awesome to drive but when i get out and have to shoot a gun no, dude, it's so hard for me because it doesn't work like other games like that. Now, somehow Red Dead Redemption 2 actually worked out. RDR 1 was actually still pretty hard to control, but like it's 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 impossible to shoot people in those games and you have to do it. Like you have to use guns as Nico Bellic and it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I remember one mission I stopped playing. I stopped playing the game. And I never passed that mission because of it's it's like I, mean, I kill like 20 guys in this in this building that's being constructed and I kill like two of them and I die because I can't shoot these people. And it's not because I'm a bad first person shooter. That's also true. But it's because the controls are just not fun to try and figure out versus other games where you shoot people. I, I think you can absolutely ruin a game if you get too convoluted. You know, if, if you have menus within menus, what was that game where is oh Monster Hunter World? You know, now maybe that doesn't go to controls necessarily, but it's like, you know, if you get too convoluted with what I need to do to interact with your game, it it starts to cause an issue at that point, you know? Um, So I'm with you in that I do think that a good control scheme and an easy control scheme, if again, if you can pick it up and it just makes sense and you can learn it right away, something clicks, you know, in that regard. I mean, look at our phones, right? Everything's touch-based and swipe-based because it's super easy for even children to learn at that point, right? It's like a natural thing. Um, so I get it. I don't know that I think it's more important than a lot of other stuff, just because I feel like in modern times, they allow you to fix it if it's a bad control scheme. I think Josh also just doesn't want sound to be at the bottom of the list at the end of this, so he's <laughs> going to try and might be that. too. <laughs> well, here, here's also the thing: like, what's more frustrating than playing a game 
where you're on like some kind of horse and you get too close to the edge of the cliff and oh. all you do is press backward oh, and your goodness. horse goes forward and starts to turn and you die. Like that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about that is like soul crushing where I, I would, I would, I would agree. If you have really good responsive controls, you may or may not even notice, right? I, but when they're bad, it's really glaring. How about this for an example? Witcher three. What's the one? Over like overarching complaint that a lot of people have with Witcher Three, Roach, <laughs> the, the controls, controls with Roach, right? But what? Yeah, even the way Awful. Geralt turns, right? Like a uh-huh. lot of people don't like that he kind of yeah. does this wide turn kind of thing, or if he does turn, it's kind of janky and and then he he 180s when you just try, you know, you were only trying to like 90 degree turn and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, if it's frustrating to interact with a game, that's what games are, right? They're interactive. And so if that's frustrating, I think it can definitely matter. What's, what's a good example of a game with amazing controls? Rocket League. Yeah. See, I just wanted somebody else perfect. to say it. I didn't, it's perfect I controls. didn't want me to be the guy. It's perfectly <laughs> responsive. And you know what really sucks for controls? Every game with motion sensors on Nintendo Wii. Yeah. Everyone went crazy for the Wii. We bought one. My kids loved it. I hated playing any game on the Wii <laughs> where you had to use the the Wiimote with your motions. Give me just a controller where I can press buttons and they work right, preferably wired, and I'm happy as a pig in mud. So that's another big thing for me. I do not like any kind of motion-controlled stuff, even if it's like using uh ps5 remotes I-, I remember when the ps4 came out there were a lot of games where you'd have to, like draw a symbol using the controller i hate stuff like that just give me good old-fashioned responsive controls and i, I- i'm good to go yeah i think elden ring had really good controls too because it had very immersive controls like with the collision in the game you could feel it in the way you controlled the character which i liked and so that kind of gives a point to this as well all right yeah. so where are we ranking this do we think controls are more important than audio less important than audio i think sound is so important but i've got to put controls ahead of it because again to paul's point if the sound is not fully immersive or fully perfect i will still play the game if i like the story or the graphics or something like that um why don't we say controls i did not use roach ever my wife got so mad at me and because i would play and i'd be like i'm I'm, I'm, I'm walking I walked at the I I'm sorry, you're unique. <laughs> uh, 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 Alexa, find me a psychologist. Yeah. How about this? Let, let's do this because this will make me personally feel better. How about we say controls or ability to customize them? Sure. Because Josh famously, the first thing he does in any game is rebind every single Everything. key. Because you love your Everything. gaming keypad. I, well, it, it's the way my brain works, right? Like, if if I know that my left ring finger is reload in every single game, it just helps that muscle memory regardless, right? And so if a game's like, oh, no, reload is, you know, T instead, it's like, wait, that just doesn't work for me, you know? And so... <laughs> The ability to customize them matters a lot because then I don't have to try to relearn everything. It's just already there. Yeah, I used to I used to bind everything um, a little bit differently because you know on WASD I think it's uh, A and D turn typically and uh, Q and E typically are strafing. I think that's Rotate. the way it works. It's rot- yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, I bound everything opposite. I would flip E and D and Q and A every single time, and then I played Atlas. And when I played Atlas, Atlas was so notoriously broken. 
that when you played it, if you rebound any keys, when you got to actually steer your boat, which is half the game, the boat wouldn't turn. And so you'd have to like customize every time you logged in. And even I'd go change the INI file, and it would still not work. (laughs) Yep. And so I had to go back to the, the way that every other game does the controls, which I hate. Absolute last thing that I'll say about controls is that my buddy Andrew and I used to share my second Overwatch account, and he was primarily playing Soldier. And every time I would log back in, I'd have to set my keys back because he would rebind Run to be F. I never understood how you could play a game with WASD and you want F to be sprint. It's shift. It, it, it's always shift. Yes. Thank shift you. is run. Spacebar is jump. Yep. Do not rebind those keys. You can rebind anything else. Please leave shift as your run button. All right. Yeah, so uh, we're we're already you know approaching an hour here on the episode. Maybe we can just kind of lightning round bring up like one more each or, or something like that. Uh, that way we can hit just a couple last ones here. Michael, what do you want to bring up for your last nomination? Yeah, I have one more that we have to cover, no matter what, because people are probably screaming this right now if you don't cover this. How important is the price of a game? Ooh, Good thank question. you. That was actually going to be my next one. Yeah, I was like, I thought that if we if we were like, hey, we're done, I was going to be like, Paul, stop. We have to say this one because we have to say this one. Price. How important is it to you guys? It. It's up there. <sighs> <laughs> it is up there because let's be honest, it depends. Like that's the biggest thing. It depends on the game. Give me, give me Witcher three, give me Elden Ring, give me, you know, any of these games and I'll pay a hundred dollars for them. If I know I'm going to get hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of entertainment out of it. Right. But famously, what what affects how we rank games on the leaderboard sometimes or whether we make love marry or murder them a price right if if a game's terrible and it's a $60 game you know we're going to say hey this game's not worth it man like no you know if it's if it's a $10 game and it's maybe it's not great but it's only $10 it's kind of like well i mean you know this game might be worth you 10 bucks <laughs> well think about overwatch right like we bought that game for probably 20 bucks back in the day And at this point, playing it for thousands of hours, you're talking fractions of a cent per minute that you've paid for that game. So, yeah, if the game's highly replayable, then I'm far more likely to shell out the money for it. Uh, I will say, when we were kids, video games were a lot cheaper. Like, I remember when your average game was 40 bucks, and then it crept up to 50 and then 60 And then for a while, they kept saying that all new games were going to go 70 bucks, And that's kind of been scaled back where we haven't really seen that. But it's very hard for me to start swallowing $70 for a video game because now that just sounds like such a high amount. Right. But yeah, um, I, think, I think for me, I'd say price is honestly right behind gameplay and story. I think for me, it might be number three. It just depends, though. How do you quantify it, right? Like, a price for a great game. How much money would you pay for Mass Effect 2, Paul? I'd pay $300. I mean, but, and I'm but, frugal. Right. I'm frugal when it comes I know, to games. Yeah. But that's yes. what I'm saying. So it's kind of like when you're saying price is important, to what degree? Is it to, would you try a game that you're not sure is amazing if it was $100? Well, probably not, right? But... You know, if a game is $10, I'm probably going to pick that up. And if it sucks, I mean, it's only $10, right? So Price for me. Oh, sorry. Just totally. totally No, I'm just saying I I don't know how I quantify it. So for me, it's like, I I guess it would be lower for me because it's kind of like on what stipulation? 
Yeah, no, I I uh, 100% disagree with both of you. Price for me could not be less important than anything else on this list. I do not care about the price of a game. Because Michael I walk away from all it, games. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, he's the guy that's got 500 unplayed Steam games, right? That's true. <laughs> I mean, I, and I, I will consider it important in a certain way. But if I walk away from a game and I have a memory from that game that I look back fondly of, like, am I going to remember that I spent 60 bucks in that game 10 years later? Or am I going to remember how much fun I had with that game? Case in point, you look at two games that both cost $30, right? Love them both. Thirty dollars. Um, oh shoot, the Forgotten City, five hours long. It's thirty dollars, right? Well, it was thirty bucks, yeah. right? Uh, I believe so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere, yeah. Thirty bucks. It's five hours long. So, what's your dollar per hour on that? Probably pretty low. I don't know. Thirty six dollars an hour. Yeah, there we go. So, <laughs> but like that seems like a. It seems like okay. That's not. That's not a fantastic value. Atlas, the game Atlas that I just brought up, which, by the way, don't play that game. It's the most frustrating game that's literally ever, ever been made. I just looked up Steam. I have 1,298 hours in Atlas. It's $30. And I didn't even <laughs> buy it. My buddy Nevitz got it for me. And I was like, your dollar per hour is insanely good on this. But my thought is I look back on the memories and I'm like, if I spent 30 bucks on a game, if I spent 60 bucks, if I bought the special edition of Horizon Forbidden West for $260 and I still haven't played it, um, then... then but I look back at how incredible my memories of are of that, and I don't care how much money I spent on it. Well, here, here's the thing. Uh, not all of us have unlimited <laughs> financial resources, right? I have like, an there's, allowance. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of budget gamers. Before we started this podcast, I would say on average, I would buy three to four games a year. And oh, wow. I would see Josh and Andy and some of our other buddies. You guys would buy every game that came out. And I thought you guys were crazy because I would not spend all that money on games. I, for like a whole two years, I did not even buy a single game because I just played World of Warcraft. Because to me, I could just pay $15 a month and I have all of my entertainment covered. I don't need a single other thing to get by. So the half of the reason of starting the podcast was for it to fund and pay for my gaming hobby. And I think that that's been really great that we do have this Patreon support. And honestly, a very good chunk of our income goes toward buying all the games that we play. If we did not have this podcast, there is not a chance I ever would have touched Weird West or, you know, half of the games that we've covered on this show. I would have never bought Resident Evil Village. Okay. And those are games that I love. I don't know that I would have paid for them if we weren't doing the podcast. I'll say this. There's a game out there that I really want right now. And I'm kind of like with Michael. I'm like, ah, price is kind of low. But on the flip side, there's that new game, King Arthur Knight's Tale came out. It's a tactical combat-based game with Arthurian legends. It looks really good. Like, my brain was on Weird West, and it's now moved to King Arthur, right? Like, I'm going to wind up buying this game at some point. But it's 40 bucks. And it's like, I, I literally have looked at this game every single day for probably the last three or four days. And I go, I want to play that. But I'm like, oh, but it's $40. Like, what if I don't like it? It's 40 bucks, man. Am I willing to flush $40 down the toilet if I don't like it? Well, the reviews are kind of good. So there's a chance I'm going to like it. But what if I don't? I don't know. It's $40. And I haven't bought it yet because it's $40. <laughs> yeah. You know, and also, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that just came to mind. 
I solely used to game on console so that I could sell my games when I was done with them. Mm -hmm. The fact that you can now refund any game on Steam, no questions asked, if it's two hours or less, I'm willing to put price dead last because you can essentially have a free demo of any game you want to try. I have never sold a game in my entire life. What? Oh, Michael, I have sold back every console game I've ever owned. Every hard copy game I've ever had, I have sold. (laughs) Yep. I have only kept two. I still have my copy of Eternal Darkness from GameCube, and I still have San Andreas from PS2. (laughs) I don't know why I still have it. Those are the only two I still have. But what if you want to play one of those games again? You don't sell them. You play them later on again, right? I buy it for 60 bucks. I beat it in two weeks. I sell it for 45, 50 bucks. And if I want to play it five years down the road, I buy it for five bucks used. (laughs) Okay. That's that's what I do. Yeah. All right. All right, so price, are we fine putting that Put it at last? the bottom, but I, it is important. Like, I think I it's, agree. I, yeah. it, it deserves to be on the list. I just think it's at the bottom of the list. Sure. All right, Josh, your last element, what you want to toss out? Oh, I, I thought we were out of time. Um, <laughs> I thought we were sharing that one. That's why we went so long here, on price. <laughs> here, here's, I'm going to say this, because I have a lot of things on my list. I like. I know we're low on time. Like, Part of me says, like, ooh, atmosphere. Like, atmosphere in a game is great, right? But not every oh, yeah. game needs atmosphere, right? Like, exploration yeah. is another one where I go, man, I love exploration games now, but not every game needs exploration. So it's kind of hard to quantify those. So when we're talking about broad terms here, I'm going to say, and we kind of touched on this, customization. Now, let me quantify that, right? Because customization of what? And I, I could care less about character creators and all that stuff. I don't mean that. What I mean is like, can I customize my controls? Can I customize my graphic settings? Can I customize this game to play it the way that I want to play it? You guys ever played a game where it lets you actually customize the UI and move it around and adjust the size and stuff? Where you, Every like how MMO you I've ever played, if I can't do it, it frustrates me. Well, right. and the MMO that... Uh, Josh in particular loves to always trash is really the MMO that really pioneered add-ons, which World of Warcraft let you do in spades, and then yeah. you could go crazy and customize anything you wanted. I did I, like that. Yeah, I was going to say, does this also include mods, or is that yeah. going to be completely different? The ability different? to customize a game, like how, that, whether it's you can mod it, you can you can do the control scheme, you can do graphics and your ray tracing if you want or you don't want, you can set frames per second. I mean, uh, a good customization menu slash mods can absolutely... Look at Skyrim! That game's been around for how? A decade? Or longer? Because... 2011. They, right, because they let you customize everything in that game and so people go well i can keep playing this because i can customize it the way that i want by the way a quick quip that i have to say that has nothing to do with what we're talking about but we've brought up ray tracing like three times now (laughs) every time i hear ray tracing i Uh think of a discount spy novel protagonist named ray tracing (laughs) like it's a person's name i'm like wow and then and then i put it in the same amount of syllables as goodwill hunting so you think you're good? Ray tracing? And I can't get it out of my head. We can move on with the show now. But no, but customization actually, just once you said modding though, because I was like, ah, customization's not that important to me. The second you said modding, I'm like, oh, no, that's real important. Famously, every Bethesda game I have has over 160 mods, even the VR ones. I love modding games. It's very important to me to make it look how I want it to look. Case in point, Fallout games. My 
goodness, those games are depressing to play because the landscape is just blah, gray and dark, and I get it. The because trees of are nuclear dead. fallout. <laughs> yeah, no, I make it. I make it look like Horizon Zero Dawn. I make it very lush and very green and all that stuff, which I know is not immersive because the game has nuclear fallout. But I'm gonna say that nuclear fallout happened maybe a couple hundred years ago, and this stuff has grown back now. Yeah, I, I think modding is where you win me over with this one because there are games. Like, when we did the deep dive of Left 4 Dead 2, one of the reasons why I hated that we rated it so low is that there is such a robust modding community that you can download mods where you're playing a game that is unrecognizable as Left 4 Dead 2, and it can be an incredible experience. Now, does it require time and effort? Yeah, you you run into mods that are awful, and you run into other ones that are great. Uh, human fall flat, same thing. Amazing mods, terrible mods. You got to sort through it all. But when you strike gold, that can really extend the life of some of these games. Portal, you can play for forever because there's so many mods available with extra levels. So yeah, I would say mods are pretty high on the list. The list that we have right now goes gameplay, story, learning curve, graphics, controls, slash ability to rebind keys, sound, and price. <laughs> I would say customization probably goes underneath gameplay, story, learning curve, and graphics, but I'd probably make it number five. I'd put it above controls. What was that's, above that's controls? That's what I said just now. So yep. Let's do that. Same spot. Take the ability to change controls out because that would be under customization. Okay. And then I would say let's put it right above controls, but I'm right on board with you there. Yeah, I, I think so. I completely agree. Um, especially when you add the modding element, like in something like, uh, for instance, especially in VR, modding in VR, oftentimes with Bethesda games, like the bow and arrow, when you play Skyrim, is terrible to shoot in VR. You add that weight mod where it feels immersive and real, and you have to actually aim up and down differently based on the distance because the weight of the arrow was a game changer. So I that that one example alone puts it very high for me. All right, so we basically have like our top eight. I think we can. Well, actually, let, let's bring let's bring in just one last thing. Uh-oh. We'll just we'll make it dead last. Oh no! I was really poking fun at a certain game coming out called Gravity Goal. All oh. right, <laughs> let's just say title is definitely last. <laughs> but can we just oh, say man. that the title of a game it, it 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 probably matters more than we're going to say here. But if you have a really goofy game name, I am far less likely to check it out. And if you come at me with an awesome name, I'm going to check it out. What about how Modern Warfare I was gonna, 5 I was is Modern just Warfare 2? That. <laughs> yeah. I tweeted that from the account a couple days ago, and I'm like, hold on. Modern Warfare 5 is called Modern Warfare 2, but there's all, there, isn't there a Modern Warfare 2? That comes before 5, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there can be some very funny names. If I hear Grand Theft Auto, I get it. We're stealing cars. It's action. I know exactly what I'm getting into. And then you have other games names. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is such an unwieldy title name. of a game. Oh, there's a great. reason why we all but just the game went to was PUBG. Great, though, yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah. PUBG kind of like you know it stands for something, but the full name is really dumb really bad but anyway i just thought i'd mention title because i i always find the title of a game really funny to talk about all right so uh we're done we have our list here uh, in order we've got gameplay story learning curve graphics customization controls sound price 
and then Paul's honorable mention title, we can probably just pencil in at uh, number nine. That's a sweet list. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much to everyone out there for listening. Once again, we'd like to ask you to please rate our show five stars and leave a written review if you have not. And please check out our Patreon page at MultiplayerSquad.com. You can help fund the show and keep it running, and you'll also get some of those awesome perks we talked about earlier. And then that finishes up this bonus round. Our next episode will be on Thursday, where we talk about This Week in Gaming. And then our next deep dive a week from today will be on the Overwatch 2 beta. So if you want to check out some of that game, that's what we will be talking about for the next deep dive. And then I think we're done, guys. That's it. This was a fun one, man. Yeah, it's cool it to good. just sit down and kind of talk about some of these aspects of games that we don't always think about. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. We'll see you on Thursday. Happy gaming. All Cheers, right. all. See you, everybody.